Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. fear of being found out. And in week two, we talked about uh, the fear of making the wrong decisions. Did that help anybody last week? I really hope that it did. Um, some people just made decisions, and I'm, I'm just grateful. Maybe it was the wrong one, maybe it was the right one, but indecision will always cost you more than the wrong decision. So uh, I got a lot of those testimonies, and, and uh, today I'm excited. Before I, I tell you what I'm preaching about today, I just want to reiterate what uh, Anthony said in Journey News about Vision Sunday on October 13th. I would love for you to be there. It is a special Sunday. If like you map it out and you're like, I can only go to church two Sundays a month. This needs to be one, excuse me, of those two Sundays. It's going to be a special Sunday. If you have kids, we're going to have inflatables, bounce houses. It's going to be a lot of fun. And what is it about? It's a, it's a, a service where you're going to come and hear not just about the things that God has done. We're going to talk about that, but the things that God is getting ready to do in our community. Somebody say ours. Yeah, because you know, this ain't mine. And, and, and this is ours, and we have a, a wonderful privilege of building an amazing church here in Central Florida. And what God is doing, I mean, he's just getting started, um, but it's amazing to be a part of it. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Well, today we are on our third fear, and it is probably the most universal fear out there, probably one of the most common, and it is the fear of failure. The fear of failure. I want to talk to you today for a moment on the fear of failure. When I first began preparing the sermon, I thought, you know, yippee, woo. I mean, I don't talk like that, but in my mind, I was excited because a half of preaching is trying to get you to relate to the sermon. And, you know, because the devil's best defense against the word of God is to make you think that it's for somebody else. How many people know what I'm talking about? And so you'll come to church with your significant other and the word of God will just be hitting you. And this is how you get avoided. You just elbow your husband and be like, he's talking to you. And, uh, and just want you, you grab your kids by the ear and like, you hear what pastors say. He's talking to you. And, uh, and I'm, I'm talking to you, actually. And so um, it's hard, though, because some people think that their situations are so unique that when you hear something so common, you go, well, that can't be my problem because my problem is unique. Hello. And I came to tell you today, your problem is not as unique as you think it is. I mean, you're special, but your problem isn't. In fact, Jesus once said, there's no temptation that comes over you that's not common to man. We all face pretty much the same things. And so what I've done today is I've prepared a couple of questions, a bit of a self-awareness test to see whether or not you in the room today possibly struggle with the fear of failure. Are you ready for the test? All right. You can't fail it. Somebody's like, I'm not taking this test. If you're afraid of taking this test, you might struggle with the fear of failure. <laughs> okay. You can't fail this one. All right. So all in, I'm going to ask you some questions. Are you ready? Say yes. All right, great. Here's the first question. Number one, have you ever thought to yourself, I wonder what people will think? If so, <laughs> this morning, <laughs> if so, you might struggle with the fear of failure. Have you ever dreamed a beautiful dream? I mean, a beautiful dream, uh, uh, your own business, Fortune 500, Forbes 100 kind of dream. And in the middle of your dream, two words cut in like a commercial, uh, I can't. If so, say yes. You might struggle with the fear of failure. Have you ever worried about disappointing somebody? 
Or here's a good one, ever worried that other people will lose interest in you? If so, you might struggle with the fear of failure. Here are the three that really hit me. Have you ever gotten distracted in the middle of creative work? Or have, got, or have procrastinated in the middle of tough work? Did you know that 90% of procrastination, I totally made up that statistic, but it's true. 90% of procrastination, listen, honestly, it's, it's rooted in the, in the fear of failure. Because you think to yourself, I don't, I, I don't want, I'm afraid of messing up, so I'm just not going to try. I'm going to wait to the last minute. And if it bombs, I don't have to blame it on me. I'll just blame it on not trying. The worst fear is actually giving it your all and then not coming out the way you thought because then you're failed. Or how about this? Have you ever felt physical pain or aches while preparing for something important? If so, you might struggle with the fear of failure. Here's a good one, funny one, but it's still good. Is there a board game that you refuse to play no matter how much your friends pressure you because you suck at it? You know what I'm talking about. All you catchphrase haters. I don't play. No, you play. All you monopoly murderers. You risk rejectors. You domino demons. You know who you are. You won't play, because, and everybody else has this. You know who you are. Listen, if that's you, you might struggle with the fear of failure. Here's a good one, because it's true. If you're over the age of 16, you have a driver's license, but you still can't ride a bike, you might struggle. Listen, if you're in your 30s, there's no excuse. You might struggle with the fear of failure. You can drive a car, but you can't ride a bike. And you don't even want to learn. Why? Because you struggle with the fear of failure. Actually, this bike um, is actually a symbol for me. It has a lot of value uh, and meaning for me because um, 2019 has been a banner year here at Journey Church. The things that God has done in the past 12 months have been supernatural, crazy. In fact, the temptation for me is that he got, it's impossible for God to do it again, but I know he's just getting started. It's really nothing compared to the plans that he has. But you know the thing that I'm most proud of and I hate to admit it because the thing I'm most proud of in 2019 is not all the people who got baptized. And I know that's wrong of me. I know I should be. It's not all the people who gave their lives to Jesus. I know that should be the thing I'm most proud of. It's not the hundreds of thousands of dollars we have given away to missions. That should be the thing I am most proud of. But the thing I am most proud of in 2019 is that I taught my youngest son, Zane, how to ride a bike, somebody. Come on. And if you don't celebrate that, it's because you don't, you don't know me. And you don't know my story, and you don't know my pain, and you don't know his story, and you don't know his pain. About a, about a year ago, I brought the bike out, and he was learning to ride it. And on his first time out, he ate it. I mean, and he, hate, he hit it hard. And like in hindsight, maybe I should have started him off on some grass or something like that. But it was right there on the cement, man. He just hit it so hard. And, and he started crying. And then he went inside, and he wouldn't even look at a bike for like, for like a whole year. I would show it to him, and he would start crying. And, uh, and I wasn't going to force him because I tried that as a parent before. It doesn't work. Like I remember one time with Justice, he was afraid of the oceans. So I just threw him in there, traumatized. Don't ever be, be that parent. He, today, he looks at sand, and he starts to shake, and it's just not. So I don't do that. I don't parent that way no more. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, we're, you're going to have to be ready for this before we take that next step. 
And, uh, and he did learn how to ride a bike eventually, obviously this year. And my whole sermon is on how I taught him um, how to ride a bike. But I remember trying to just get him this year, trying to get him back on it. The first thing was to convince him to just get it back on it. Now I'm a preacher, you see. Like I use words for a living. It's like my job is to convince people. Like at the end of the sermon, I'm gonna try and convince you. Try to convince you that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that he's the answer to your problems, that he's the one who can fix what's going on in your life, that he raised from the dead to, to give you an idea. I'm gonna try and convince you. Like, so I was just trying to preach at justice. I was just trying to convince him. So I started making up all these hypothetical scenarios, you know? I'm like, bro, what happens if a monster comes and you need to get away real fast? I'm like, bike riding would be a helpful skill in that situation. He's like, dad, monsters aren't real. I'm like, now you know? Where was that last night when you woke up? Anyway, uh, so then I told him this, but this one really got to him. I said, okay, well, what happens when Justice starts riding around the neighborhood with all of his friends? And you're going to want to ride around too, and they're just going to leave you in the dust. His friends are going to go riding around town. I think that's what kids do nowadays. They ride around town. And, and you're going to want to ride with them, and you can't. And, uh, and what are you going to do then? And he goes, that's not a problem. I go, why? He goes, because I'm fast, Dad. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I'll just run. And that's when I knew I needed to fix this because at first I thought, you know, it's just bike riding. You know, they don't put that on a job application, you know, skills and abilities, bike riding. You know, that's not something that you put on. So I'm like, maybe he doesn't need this. But when he said that, I knew I had to intervene. Not, I, was, I knew I had to do something. Not because he chose to run, but because he was choosing to settle. It's not like he didn't have it. He had it. He just couldn't fully enjoy it because he was afraid of falling. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I mean, if he had had it, like it's one thing if he had come to me and he'd been like, hey, dad, you know, I really love basketball, but I've decided that I'm not going to go play in the NBA. I probably would have been like, bro, good call. Tallest you're getting is 5'7", you probably wouldn't have made it anyway. Like, just, like Zane, you, you just don't have it. I get it. Like, that's cool. I understand that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have it. It's right there, but you won't use it. You won't employ it. You won't reach the fullest of the potential because you're afraid of falling. And I'm talking to people today who I fear are either settling or getting ready to settle. Not because you don't have it. Hear me. You've got it. You've got potential. You've got power. You've got gifts. You've got talent. You've got skills. You've got smile. You've got love. You've got joy. But you're settling not because you don't have it, but because you're afraid of falling. You're afraid of getting hurt. You're afraid of crashing. You've settled. Listen to me. You're running when you could be riding. God wants you to ride today. You know, the fear of failure will get you settling. The fear of failure will get you settling for singleness if that's not what God calls you to do. You know that. Like, I'm not talking about a season of singleness, by the way. Some of y'all are single, and, and you need to be single, okay? <laughs> probably, probably you might not want it, but you need it, and you probably need it longer than you want it. You know what I'm talking about? You let, your heart just needs to get right with the Lord and get all that stuff fixed out, and then God was in that person. I'm talking about people who are afraid of getting married and are settling in those singleness. Listen, because they just came out of a bad breakup. Year, and I say just came out of a bad breakup, but like five years ago. And here's what they're telling themselves. That hurts so bad, I don't want it to happen again. So I'm just going to be single for the rest of my life. I'm going to be the cat lady. <laughs> and I love cats. Amen. They never turn their back on you. Amen. But they will also eat your face when you die. So there's just two sides of that <laughs> that you should probably consider when getting 19 cats to live with you. Some people, listen, there are some parents who are going to settle for just being a provider when God's called you to be present. Because the kind of parent you had was a provider 
And all they did for you was, listen, they put food in the fridge. They put uh, books in your backpack. And that was awesome. But they couldn't carry a conversation with you if their life depended on it. And so now you got kids, and you're like, well, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to put food in the fridge, and I'm going to put books in their backpack, but I don't know how to do this whole parenting and kind of like in their life thing, so I'm just not going to do it at all. I'm going to settle for being the provider out of fear of failing in the actual relationship with my child. There are some people who are going to just settle, listen, in your old life when you know that God's calling you to a new life. Not because you don't have it, but because you've tried this before. Like you've come to church before. You've gotten in the Bible before. Like you had your stint of like doing good with Jesus and you messed up and it hurts so bad. Here's what you tell yourself. You know, I'm just not going to try anymore. Maybe church just isn't for me. Maybe Jesus just isn't for me. I, I believe this with all my heart. I believe that the devil had to change his strategy once Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, listen, the devil had to change his strategy because his strategy up to that point was making sure you don't find life. And it was, it was easy to do that at the time because you had to be Jewish, you had to get circumcised, you had to live in Jerusalem. But when Jesus died on the cross, he made finding life easy. All you had to do was put your trust in him, believe that he died on the cross, resurrected, declare him as Lord and Savior, and that's it. You got life. Here's what I think the devil's strategy is now. Not to keep you from having life, but to keep you from enjoying life. I'm telling you, and it says it in John 10.10. 10. Look at it on the screen. A thief comes only to rob, kill, and destroy. But I came so that everyone would have life and have it, say it with me, in its fullest. The devil can't stop the first half of that last sentence, but he can try and stop the second one. He can't stop you from receiving life, but if he can stop you from living the fullness of your life. Guess what happens? Guess what happens if Zane never learns how to ride this bike? He gets older, he walks into the garage, he sees it, and since he's not enjoying it, he gives it away. I'm telling you, the devil can't keep you from a Christian life. But if he can keep you from enjoying the Christian life, you'll just give it up. It, it doesn't fulfill any of its promises. It doesn't fulfill any of its potential. All these things that I read in the Bible, they're not happening. This must not work. What's the point of having it in my garage? I'm just going to give it up. I'm just going to lay it down. Don't be that person today. Hear me. God is calling you to live the best life, not an okay life, not a mediocre life, not an average life. God's promises for you is the absolute best life. Live it to your fullest. Do not settle for second best. That's not what his promise was for you. His promise was the best and so you got to overcome fear of failure to do that. And so I'm going to help you do that today by giving you four things to overcome the fear of failure. Number one, you got to remember, remember that everybody fails and that failure is not final unless I give up. Unless I give up. This was, I finally got Zane back on the, on the bike, y'all. And, and the moment he got on it, guess what happened the very first time he got, it was months. Guess what happened the first time he got on it? Sorry for whoever's stuff that is, playing the guitar right there. <laughs> Just kidding. It didn't hit it. You're fine. He crashed. He crashed. Very first time, he crashed. And now he's crying. I don't want to do this anymore. And I ran up to him, and I was like, all right, I got to change my strategy. So I went up to him. I was like, Bobby, 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 listen, listen, listen. I, I, I started showing him all my scars. I was a real clumsy kid. I got like 23 scars from my waist up. And I started showing him all the scars. I was like, look at my elbow. Look at my arm. Look at my head. I said, Bobby, I fell too. I fell too, but you know what I did? I got back up and I kept doing it. And it was helpful for him to understand that, hey, dad has fallen as well. And that was lesson number one. Falling is not failing. Falling is not failing. You can fall, but just because you fell doesn't mean you failed. 
Those are completely different. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. For even though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. If at first you don't succeed, you're human. <laughs> that was the answer. <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, you're human. You can back up. If you were here during the Love, Sex, and Marriage series, we do it every February. We'll do it again this next February. I shared something from this pulpit that I have never shared in any of sermons ever, and it was about just being transparent about how I struggled with pornography early on in my marriage, and it hit a lot of people, and there were a lot of husbands and wives who came up to me afterwards, and just a couple weeks ago, I had another husband come up to me, and, and, uh, and we were meeting, and he was saying, hey, man, this is my struggle, and this is what I'm going through, and he asked me, how'd you, how'd you overcome it, man? How'd you beat it? How'd you break through? And this was his question. He said, he said, I mean, do you remember the last time you looked at it? And my answer to him was, man, honestly, I don't. I don't remember. Like, I think that's the whole point. I'm trying not to remember. I told him, I told him, honestly, I said, I don't remember the last time I fell, but I do remember getting up. What I remember now are not the failures. What I remember now is getting up again and again and again and again and again and again. I don't remember how many times I fell, but what I learned in that battle was that fa falling is not failing. Listen, you might have fallen this week, but just because you fell this week doesn't mean you failed this week. Are you going to get up and go again? Get up and go again. Failure is not falling. It's staying down. It's giving up. And one day you're going to find yourself free. One day you're going to find yourself with, you're not cursing anymore. Finally, one day you're not drinking anymore. One day you're not smoking anymore. One day you can finally control your eyes. And someone will ask you, when did it happen? And you're like, I can't point to a moment. All I remember was getting up again and again and again and again. And that's how I found success, just getting up, just getting up. George Washington lost two-thirds of the battles he fought. Babe Ruth led the league in home runs. A lot of people know that. What a lot of people don't know is that Babe Ruth also led the league in strikeouts. Einstein didn't say his first word until he was four years old. If he was alive today, he'd be tested for autism. He failed math in school. His grades were so bad, he got rejected from school. Ended up redesigning all of science. Napoleon Bonaparte graduated 42nd in his class. And this isn't like UCF, all right, 67,000 students. He graduated 42nd in a class of 43 people. And then, and then went on to conquer Europe. Here's somebody, I'll tell you who he is at the end. At 22 years old, he got fired from his job. Next year, after that, he ran for, for Congress and he lost. The year after that, he thought, well, politics aren't for me, I'm gonna try business. Started a business and it failed. The year after that, he actually got elected to Congress, but he couldn't really enjoy it for long because the year after that, his fiance died. A year after his fiance died, he had a nervous breakdown. Two years after his nervous breakdown, he got defeated for Congress again. A year after he got, four, five years after he got defeated for Congress, he decided, well, I'm going to run again and got defeated again. Two years after he de got defeated again, he, he ran for Congress and actually won it. Two years after winning Congress, he ran for re-election and lost it. Three years after that, got rejected again for Congress. He thought, well, if the House of Representatives won't take me, I'll try and run for Senate. So he ran for Senate, lost that. Two years later, ran for vice president, which, bro, if you can't make it at Senate, don't go for vice president. There's levels to this. He lost there. So he ran for Senate again two years later, lost again, and two years after that, got elected president of the United States. I'm talking about Abraham Lincoln. 
Hear me. Success is not impossible. It's just not immediate. Sometimes you just got to hang in there. Success is not impossible. It's just not immediate. Here's what the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9. We must never get tired of doing good because if we don't give up in this struggle, we will get our harvest at the proper time. We will get our harvest. When we first bought our house, and uh, once the inside got fixed up, then List wanted to do the outside. And so we went to the backyard, and in the back right-hand side of the backyard, uh, there was a tree. And it was so ugly, and there was nothing growing on it. There were no flowers. There were no fruit. And so she went to the gardener, and she said, you're going to have to get rid of this tree because it's ugly, and I just want it out. And so they cut the tree out. A couple weeks later, the neighbors come to the neighborhood to, to greet us, and they say, hi, and welcome to the neighborhood. Oh, it's so good to be here. And one of the neighbors who's lived there forever says, so what do you guys think about that orange tree in your backyard? We're like, say what now? We're like, she's like, he said, the orange tree. He goes, you guys have the sweetest oranges in the entire neighborhood. This is what he said. He goes, the kids are going to start coming and sneaking in your background around March, in your backyard around March and April because they love your oranges. They're the best orange. You can't find better oranges at the grocery store. You have the best oranges all over. We're like, oh, <laughs> that orange tree, yeah, yeah, man, it died. You know, <laughs> listen, we looked at it and we thought that tree had failed, but that tree hadn't failed, it just wasn't in season. Some of you are getting ready to cut down something in your life because you think that it's failing, but it's not failing. It's just not in the right season. And if you would just wait a little longer, if you would stay planted a little longer, if you would water that thing and just trim those branches and just know it's coming, the fruit is on the way, the produce is on the way. You just got to stay planted. You got to stay focused. Don't quit on it now. Don't give up. Just stay rooted. You got to also refuse to compare myself to others. Remember, everyone fails. That failure is not final unless I give up and refuse to compare myself to others. This was one of Zane's greatest obstacles. One of Zane's greatest obstacles was the success of his brother. Justice was really good at riding a bike. And so Zane would get it. No. <laughs> he would get it. He would do it. And then something would happen. As he would start to do it, he would start looking at his brother. You know, his brother was doing it so good. And this is what, I'm not trying to do this. This is what happens. I practice this at home. This is for real. Look what happens when I start looking over my shoulder. He would start riding. He got it. And then all of a sudden he would look. See what happened? Because I looked that way, my center of gravity shifted, and I started to lean. And then he would lean, and then he would crash into my neighbor's car that was parked in front of my house. <laughs> Which Liz was like, don't do that. They're going to scratch up the car. But I'm like, good for him. He shouldn't be parking in front of my house. <laughs> Homeboy got a driveway. What's up? <laughs> He'll learn. Um, sorry, that's just me venting. Group therapy, y'all. Uh, I hope he's not in church today. I invited him, but I don't know if you're here. It wasn't me. Uh, and a lot of y'all, listen, leaning, this is what happens. Listen, you will lean where you look. 
And so if you're looking over your shoulder at what someone else is doing, you're going to start leaning. And when you start leaning, you're going to crash. And some of y'all are crashing into failure, not because you don't know how to ride, but because you're not focused on what you're supposed to do. You keep looking at what someone else is doing, you're going to crash. You will always struggle with the fear of failure if you're comparing. Hear me, you can lose 100 pounds and still feel like a failure if you follow the wrong person on Instagram. Do you know what I'm talking about? Lose 100 pounds. You're looking good. You ain't got a six-pack, but you got a two-pack. You can see it. There's a shape taking form. But you follow that one fitness person on Instagram that's got the 12-pack, and you're like, ah! 100 100 pounds. You didn't fail. You succeeded. But you looked at their success, and now all of a sudden you feel. You know what I'm talking about? You guys remember your first car? I loved my first car. It was a 2004 Mitsubishi Lancer. I loved it. You know why I loved it? Because it had a CD player. And my mom's car, none of them ever had CD players. They had, now you're not going to know this if you're Gen Z, born in circa 2000, but they had a little thing called a cassette player. Yeah. It was a lot older. Everybody's, half of them is like, yup. The other people are like, what? Cassette player is where we get the word rewound from because back in the day you actually had to put a pencil and you got to have to rewound it. You had to like self, before they had rewinders, you had to just do it yourself. And, and then I had a CD player and I was so excited and I started driving around my CD player in my car. But around that same time when I started driving, technology got advanced. All of a sudden I got my friend's car and he didn't just have a CD player, he had a MP3 input. So I'm walking in his car with my CD book. How many people know what I'm talking about? Yeah. CD book. I'm like, yo, I got the jams. He's looking at me like I came out of the, you know, the, the Paleolithic era. And he's like, what are you talking about? He puts his phone, plugs his phone into the car. Music starts coming out. I'm like, oh. I'm such a failure. I hate my car. I loved it a second ago until I got in his. The moment you leave the thing God has for you and start stepping in something that belongs to someone else, you're going to start feeling it. You're going to start feeling failure. You know, we really struggle with this and we got to be careful. If you've got young kids, we feel this a lot when you've got children because we're always comparing our children to other people's children. Always. Like every parent in the world, you swear your kid's smart. Be real. I remember when Justin said the number one for the first time in his life, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Babe, did you hear him? Yeah, he said the number one. Yeah, but the way he said it, authority, power. This kid's a genius. <laughs> he is Isaac freaking Newton right here. He has got this. This kid's so smart. I swore my kid was a genius. And then I brought him over to some lady's house. We were having dinner. She invited us over. It was a Spanish family. And I didn't know this about Spanish families, okay? Super judgmental, all right? <laughs> Especially with this one thing, especially with this one thing, if your kids don't speak Spanish. They just give you the look like you failed. All Latinos all over the world. So I walked into the house and, uh, and you, know, you know, I'm just like, look at my son. Go ahead, say it, papi. He's like, one. I'm like, oh my God, right? <laughs> right? He knows how to count. And this lady, you know, she was all like, mm, that's okay, that's good. Like, but uh, does he speak Spanish? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what kind of four-year-old speaks Spanish. I mean, TV's in English. So 
Well, and he speaks Spanish. And, and she's like, oh, okay, okay, pues, okay. Annabella, venga aquí. <laughs> and Annabelle, Annabelle starts coming over. And then Annabelle, Annabelle looks at me, and, and, and she's like, buenos dias, como estas? And I'm like, oh, my God. This four-year-old speaks Spanish. So I'm like, muy bien. And then I'm like, what's your name? Because I'm thinking, but can you speak English? Because my boy's got you there, you know? But then she answered. She's like, Annabelle. I was like, I was like, justice, uno. Say uno. Listen, up until that point, we thought we were the greatest parents ever. Then we got in the car, and we started looking at each other, and we were like, we have failed as parents. We thought we were doing good until we looked at somebody else's, and now it's like, babe, now we're going to have to... Foreign language Fridays, babe. Let's do it. Come on. Every Friday. Only thing we're going to speak in the house is Spanish. And if they don't learn it, they don't eat. Come on. We got this. It's going to do it. Listen, if you want to see your failure, stare long enough at someone else's success. If you want to see your failure, stare long enough at someone else's success. Here's what the Bible says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. You should judge your own actions, but never compare yourself with others. Then you can be proud for doing your best without comparing yourself to anyone else. You got to understand this is your race. You can't fail. It's just you. I want you to do a little thought exercise with me today. Are you willing? It's going to set you free. All right. All over the place, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. All right? Close your eyes. Now, if you have a purse, I want you to hold on to it because we've got a lot of people in our church. They're just getting saved, all right? So just hold on to your purse. Double check that your wallet's where it was. And just close your eyes for a second. Can you do that for me? If you don't want to do it, that's cool. You won't be free. Um, everyone else, I want you to imagine a starting line. I want you to imagine 100 runners. Are you there? If you're there, say yes. Got 100 runners and, the, and, the, and the, the, the little cap guns about to fire off, and you're about to run the race. You got 100. You got 50 people to your left and 50 people to your right. Are, are you ready to go? You got this visual? All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get rid of the 100 people. And now it's just you on that line by yourself. And the gun goes, and you start running. Look at me. Look at me. You can't fail. That's your race. There's nobody to your left. There's nobody to your right. The only way you lose is if you leave. The only way you lose is if you give up. You just run your race. I needed that. Put that verse back up because I'm a very competitive person. And I needed to, 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 to itch, to scratch that competitive itch. But look, what judge your own actions. So he's the only person I'm trying to be better than. I say, here's the only person I'm trying to be better than. Me. I'm going to try to be better than I was yesterday. Better than I was last year. Better than I was in my last relationship. Better than I, I'm just trying to beat me. That's it. I don't have to write, fight you. I don't have to race you. That's not how it goes. Number three, you got to redefine the meaning of failure. Every time Zane would get on his bike and he would do it, I would, I would say, I would say, you're doing it. You're doing it. And then he would fall and then I wouldn't know what to say. Because <laughs> typical human beings, we're really good at knowing what to say when people in our lives are winning, but we don't know what to say when they're losing. 
We're real good at celebrating people in our lives when they're doing well, but we have a hard time finding the words when they hit the ground. And so I just decided I'm going to celebrate him when he falls too. So when he started writing, I was like, you're doing it, you're doing it. And then he fell. And then I don't know, I just, you're doing it, you're doing it. (laughs) You're doing it, you're doing it. And he'd be like, doing what? I'm like riding a bike. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm falling. I go, yeah, but falling's a part of riding a bike. So technically, you're doing it. I had to redefine success for him. Listen, success is not missing a goal. Success is not having a goal. Success is not missing a goal. Success is not having a goal. It's, it's, it's not that you tried and failed. Listen, there's a, there's a Bible, there's an old Bible story. Uh, it's a whole story about the fear of failure. And it's about these three guys, and, and Jesus gives them money. He gives one guy a million, uh, a ten, five million dollars. He gives another guy two million dollars. He gives another one one million dollars. And a couple years later, he comes back to see what they did with it. And the guy who was given five million turns it to ten. The guy who was given two million turns it to four. But the guy who was given one million was afraid of failing. And so he takes his million and he buries it in the ground. And then God comes back and he says, hey, What'd you do with the million? And he goes, I was so afraid of failing, I buried it. And God gets so mad. He goes, why don't you do that? If you were really afraid of failing, you should have at least put it in the bank where it would have earned interest and you would have got something back. In other words, God is saying, you should have at least tried. You should have at least tried. This is all God wants you to do. Try. I figured out what I want on my tombstone, y'all. I'm not saying I'm going to die anytime soon. That's not a prophetic word, okay? I don't think I'm going anywhere for a long time. But I figured out what I want on my tombstone is two words. Here's the two words I want on my tombstone. He tried. A, because the jury's still out on Journey Church. I mean, God's done a lot, but I don't know what he's going to do in the next couple years of this thing. I don't know if I'll make it according to the world's standards. I don't know if I'll make it according to my expectations or other people's expectations. But here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'm going to give it my very best. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to lay my entire life down chasing the thing that God's put in my heart. At least I tried. He tried. Just try. And here's the last one. You got to replace my fear with faith in Jesus. I don't know if you can see this. Can you see this bike right here? Can you see this handle? Can y'all see this handle? We'll say yes if you can see the handle. <laughs> Talking to each other. Y'all see the handle? Wow, you're so bad at this. Just say yes. <laughs> can, you see, oh, can you see the handle? I'm just kidding. The handle is there for a reason. It's for me to help my son, you know, learn how to ride. I hold on and, he, and, he, and I push him. Listen, but there comes a point in this whole thing here where I have to let go. Because I was holding on and he would lean left and I would try and lean right and I would overcompensate and he would fall down. And so there came a season where, listen, I had to let go. And so I would let go and he would go and he'd be doing it. And you know when he would fall? Not when I let go. But when he realized I let go, he'd be riding it and he would do so good. And then while riding it, doing so good, I'm like, you got it, you're doing it. And then he would look back. He would see that I was no longer holding it. And the moment he realized I was no longer holding it, he was just like, every time, every time. And I had to teach him, you know, I I said, Bobby, I, I can't do it for you. But just because I can't do it for you, doesn't mean that I'm not with you. 
You might not be able to feel my hand there like you did before, but I'm still with you. And I don't want to talk to anybody who's feeling fear right now. I want to kind of explain what's going on here. We've got God here, okay, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit's invisible, but he's here too, okay? So we've got the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all right? And, and, that is, and that is my gift. That is the thing that God has for me. That's the thing that God's planned for me. That's there. I'm here. This is my comfort zone. This is everything I've known right here. I, I'm good at this. I can stand here and I can do this thing. And this is where I'm comfortable at, all right? But my gift is out there. And there are three things you have to understand. Look, please catch this. What is standing in between me and my gift? Me and the promise. There's no enemy. There's no devil. Do you see a devil? I don't see a devil. Do you see a demon? I don't see a demon. Do you see a security guard? I don't see a security guard. Do you see a moat with alligators? I don't see a moat with alligators. Do you see barbed wire? I don't see barbed wire. Do you see a bear trap? I don't see a bear trap. I can go on. But the point is, there's nothing keeping me from the promise except, ah, except my fear. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, all the enemies were eliminated. Now the only thing keeping you from the promise that God has for you, it's not a person, it's not a place, it's fear. Out there, I could die. Out there, I could break an ankle. Out there, I could get embarrassed in front of all y'all because we only practiced this one time. <laughs> out there, that's scary out there. So just the first thing, you have to understand that you got no enemies but fear. You got to fight fear. Here's the second thing you got to make a choice. I got fear out here. Listen, but I've got faith in him. Now, which one of those is going to be the deciding factor in your life? Is the fear out there going to keep you back here? Or is the faith in him going to get you going out there? Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 41. It's on the screen. Look at it. Fear, say it with me, fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will. So now you're there. I've got faith in him. But like I said, I only practice this one time. So I could fall. And if I do, we got a whole plan B for how this illustration is supposed to go. <laughs> That's the gift. Orange and blue. If you know, you know. Um, Here's number three, though, because I got to be, uh, you, you there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. This isn't acting. This is legitimate terror, all right? That's what it looks like. You haven't seen it in a while. Here's the third thing I need to tell you. Listen, because now I'm out here, but out here is faith. And I needed to do this so that I can give you a picture of faith. Because you think if you have faith, you got your shoulders back, you're all confident and all cocky. I know a lot of people who are cocky that are back there. The evidence of faith isn't your attitude. It isn't your posture. You know what the evidence of faith is? That you're out here. And so it's scary, and I'm terrified, and I don't know how it's going to turn out, but at least I got faith. At least I tried. At least I'm here. And I want to talk to anybody who's out here right now. You made a decision. You stepped out. But now that you stepped out, you're scared and you're terrified because it's not what you expected. The answer didn't come right away. It's scary. You're shaking. Here's my third point. Whatever you do, just don't go back. Don't go back. You've come too far to go back. That was the song that we sang in the third song. You remember how it went? I can't go back to the beginning. 
can't control what tomorrow may bring but I know here in the middle is the place that you promised to be come on I'm not enough message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life please email us at amen at journeyorl.com and if you would like to support financially you can give online at journeyorl.com give if you're in the area join us on sunday for the full experience have a blessed week <laughs>